all right? We're about to finish a 10-week journey through the Ten Commandments. We've learned that God has a problem with takers, but that He responds even to, to the worst taker by giving Jesus. We're going to actually hit number 10 this week. The Tenth Commandment basically reads this, and it's unbelievably practical because we all battle with it. The Tenth Commandment simply says, you shall not covet. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17 says this, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Coveting is when you have a longing for something that's not yours to have. The dictionary defines coveting as having an inordinate or a wrongful desire. It's what happened to me yesterday afternoon. I'm driving up I-5, and somebody goes by the other direction with a really nice boat. And I'm thinking to myself, why in the world did God give the boat to that guy? I should have that boat. I would make a great boat owner. I would know that on a Labor Day weekend when it's 60 degrees outside and freezing cold, you shouldn't be out on a lake in a boat. I would have kept my boat at home and gone to church because I'm good, right? Okay? <laughs> I mean, that's what coveting does. Coveting is more than just, oh, I would really, really like that. No, coveting drifts over into the realm of, I have to have that. And if I don't have that, my life is not going to be complete. And if I don't somehow get that from the guy next door, I'm going to have to kill somebody. That's what coveting is. Basically, the commandment says, if God gave your neighbor something, you should be cool with that, and you should keep your hands, your thoughts, and your greed off of it. That's what coveting means. The sin of coveting really comes down to a decision, and the decision is this, that I'm not jealous of anyone else's possessions. I'm content with, God is, with what God has given me, both in talent and possessions. Now, let's face it, that is so easy to say and so hard to do, Right? It's so easy to say, coveting's not a big deal when you're out in your driveway polishing the rust spots in your 72 Ford pickup, and then your neighbor pulls in the driveway with a brand new shiny Mercedes. Then coveting gets really, really hard, right? Saying coveting's not a big deal, it's really, really easy. When you're at home playing Pac-Man on your Atari system, and then your buddy calls from next door and says, you got to come over. I got this new Xbox. It's, it's like you're there. And you play for two minutes and then something happens way down deep inside of your heart. That's coveting. I mean, it, it's so easy to say coveting's bad until somebody shows you their TR-83, which has now been replaced by, by a TR-84. And you're so, they're so excited because they've actually got one. And some of you are going, what's a TR-84? And I tell you, it doesn't matter because it's already been replaced by a TR-85 and you don't have one of those either. <laughs> but we want it. And we think, if I only had that guy's boat, then I'd be happy. If I had that guy's Harley Davidson fat boy, oh my goodness, my life would be perfect. If I just had that, then I'd be happy. Coveting goes way deeper than just possessions. In your outline, I asked a simple question. What do we covet beside material possessions? Let's just walk through some of them. I believe we covet relationships. Man, I wish I was with that person over there. I mean, I just wish we had their marriage relationship. Their world seems to be so perfect. Everything just seems to be so good. I mean, if I'd only married that person, I mean, if we only had their kids instead of ours, <laughs> it would just be so much better. If, I just, if we had that then, then I could be happy. How about, how about coveting status? 
I mean, if only I was the boss around here, man, if I had that corner office and that leather executive chair, then the world would be perfect. I mean, if I only had an assistant, if I had people calling me Mr., if I had the name placard that said King of the Known Universe, then I could be happy. What about time? We say to ourselves, everybody has more time off than I do. I mean, if I just had a lifestyle of time and leisure like my neighbor does, then I could be happy. What about freedom? Man, if I just had the freedom to do whatever it is that I wanted, I mean, if I, could, if I had the freedom to not work, if I had the freedom to retire today, right now, and never have to work another day in my life, if I could just come and go as I please, then that would make me happy. What about talent? Man, if I could just play and sing like Sam, you know? I mean, he's injured and he does a better job than I do, you know? If I could just pray like Jason Hubbard, if I could organize myself like Mark Warren, if I could make money like Bill Gates, that would be satisfying. I mean, if I could just look like Brad Pitt, right? Oh, that's not a talent. Okay, scratch that, right? If I could lead like Norman Schwarzkopf, if I could judge like Simon Cowell, if I just had that package, if I had that group of gifts and talents, then I'd be happy. You know, can I add one more that I didn't put in the outline that occurred to me a little bit later this week? How about body parts? Man, if I had that guy's six-pack, if I had that guy's pecs, ladies, you know, if I just looked like her, everything would be different. I'll tell you what, I didn't think that was a big deal until God put a 13-year-old girl in my house. And I watch how she measures herself against everybody else's standard. Let's not pretend we don't do it, all right? I mean, if we're going to talk straight today, let's really talk straight. Always looking at somebody else's and forgetting what God's given us. I mean, it really comes down to this. If you boil down coveting, you end up with a life philosophy that goes like this. If I just had Dave's car and Dave's job, if I had Dave's wife and Dave's big screen TV, if I had Dave's job and his title, I mean, if I only had Dave's time, Dave's freedom, and Dave's bank balance, if I had Dave's ability to be able to play the stock market, that would be satisfying. In fact, when I think about it, if I was just Dave, I wouldn't have to commit the sin of coveting because he'd be coveting me. How sad is that? I mean, can I tell you something about the Daves that I know? Most of them are just trying to cover their pain with a bigger pile of stuff. That's it. We're getting ready to close this series. We're going to wrap it up by meeting a young man who pretty much thought he had all Ten Commandments nailed. In fact, he's actually going to say that today. He, he certainly didn't seem to struggle with, with, with number 10 because he seemed to have everything. In your Bible, Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22 says this. It's in your outline if you'd like to follow along or on the screens the Bible says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. If you've got a pen, underline that sentence. It's important. 
Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. When we read this story, we often get stuck at the end. We just go, oh man, what a golden opportunity this guy, mixed, this guy missed. Or we say to ourselves, man, I've got a lot of stuff. I'm not, no, I don't know if I'd be willing to just drop everything and follow Jesus in that moment. Let's not miss the first part of the story. Let's not get hung up on the end. You see, we need to notice a few things. First of all, the young guy comes running to Jesus. I mean, I think there's a reason why he's running. It wasn't like he just showed up, kind of sauntered up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, you got a stock tip for next week that could help me out? No, he comes running to Jesus, falls down in front of him and says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? I think the guy's in a spiritual crisis. I think he's asking really, really deep questions about this hole that he has in the bottom of his soul. He's searching for an answer and he knows that Jesus can give it to him. And I think it's interesting about their conversation because Jesus kind of stops him. And then what does he review? What we've been studying for the last 10 weeks. He actually goes through some of the commandments and the young guy's response to the commandments, I think, is amazing. He says, I've been doing that since I was a little kid. What he's really saying is, I think I'm, I think I'm 10 for 10, Jesus. I think I got it nailed. And then he, he lays out his spiritual resume. I've been a good boy. I've gone to Sunday school my whole life. I did the church thing. I mean, I give my tithes and my offerings. I got it all nailed. I'm good to go. Plus, I've got these 10 nailed. Boy, is he disillusioned when Jesus takes his little punch list of religion and crumples it up and throws it over his shoulder and says, but you're missing something, and it's the most important thing. What's he missing? He's missing the fact that he has no idea what's truly valuable. Jesus lays out what's going to need to go on in the young man's life because Jesus sees there's one thing standing between what this boy wants and where he actually needs to go. And unfortunately for him, what's in between him is his stuff. His stuff. When you get to the end of the story, there's a truth waiting there for us. It's not a truth many of us like, but it goes like this. The young man coveted his wealth more than a relationship with Jesus. How do I know that? I know that because of the choice he makes. He chooses to go back to his stuff instead of following the opportunity to follow Jesus. Instead of receiving the blessing of following Jesus, he instead crosses over and he accepts the curse of covenant. Do you remember as we learned at the beginning of the series, God's laid decisions in front of us, the decision between life and death, the decision between blessings and curses. He says, if we're obedient to the Ten Commandments, blessings come. If we're disobedient to them and disobey them, then there are consequences and the consequences come in the form of curses. Tough word. What does the curse of coveting produce? Well, I believe in this story we can find it. It produces the devaluation of God's provision because God has to say to him, one thing you lack. When we covet, we devalue every blessing that God has given us because our coveting keeps saying to God, it's never enough. You just never give me enough. If you just give me enough, then I would be satisfied. We look at everything God's given us. We get fixated on it. We overlook what God has placed in our life and we get fixated on what that guy has and that guy has and what that guy has. I call it Christmas kid syndrome. Kids come down to the tree, scan the card to find out whether their name has been identified on that card. Yes, that's my stuff. They take it, drag it off into a corner. They open the first box and they open up, look what my parents gave me. This is awesome and wonderful until they see their little brother opening a box. When their little brother pulls out something that they think it's cool, all of a sudden, what happens? 
The gift that they got gets put aside, their eyes move to the other side of the room, and it's all about, how am I going to get that? Then their little brother understands that there's an enemy trying to infiltrate their place and their spot, and they lock and load in their own foxhole, right? Whenever we look over the fence, what we're really doing is this. We're devaluing the gift of everything that God has given us, and we're denying the gift giver the praise and the love that He's due. Secondly, the curse of coveting produces a deception about true worth. Jesus says to him, you'll have treasure in heaven. Now, we need to understand treasure in heaven has a different kind of currency than we understand. Heavenly currency comes in the form of giving sacrificing, meeting a need, putting somebody else first. Heavenly currency comes when when we choose to go without so that somebody else can have something that's absolutely essential. Heavenly currency comes in the form of telling friends about Jesus so that they can have the opportunity to taste and see that God is good. Thirdly, The curse of coveting produces a degrading of what is more than enough. I mean, Jesus calls him out. He says, come and follow me. And the young man's got a choice to make. He can follow his own path and have something, or he can follow Jesus and have everything. Heartbreaking part of the story is he chooses his stuff over an opportunity to follow God. Why does he do that? Because somewhere in the bottom of his soul, he actually believes that his stuff is going to satisfy more. I love the line in the story because it gives me hope when I get this one wrong. Jesus already knows that the guy's not going to stay. He already knows he's going to leave. And yet it says in the middle that he looks at him and he loves him. Did you know we could do church today and you could walk out of here and wander back to your big pile of stuff that eventually is going to burn someday anyway? You could go back to that pile and believe that that gives you satisfaction You could make that decision, and here's the cool thing. God's still going to love you. He's still going to keep calling you. He's still going to keep pleading with you to understand what's really and truly valuable. Finally, what does the curse of coveting produce? It produces disappointment in God is what it does. When we covet, we end up in a place of disappointment with God. The Bible says that He went away sad. He went away sad because he wasn't willing to pay the price. What a tragedy. And you have an opportunity to make a decision today. If you want to, you could leave sad. Wander back to your pile of stuff and see how it works. You could walk away angry and go, I cannot believe the nerve of Jesus telling him he had to give up everything. What's up with that? You could walk away angry today. I mean, if you do, be my guest. Write Jesus' letter and appeal, his answer. I mean, I'm sure he'd be glad to hear from some of you. Or you could walk out of here joy-filled. You could walk out of here knowing, I've put my trust in Jesus, and Jesus is more than enough, always. That I don't want for anything. That I'm completely content with what God's given me, because more than what God has given me, I have God in my life. We've talked about the curse. What about the blessing? Well, I think there's a blessing that comes from contentment. And I believe it comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, which says this, for godliness with contentment is mediocre gain. Is that what it says? Great gain. Great gain. 
So Christ the King, let me just ask a couple of questions. Are you content with what God's given you? Or do you spend your whole life appealing and wondering why in the world God gave that guy your stuff? It's not your stuff. Are you content with the physical package that God has given you? And you're going to use it for God's glory? Are you content with God's dispersion plan. That doesn't mean you're not going to work. That doesn't mean that you're not going to do whatever it is that you've got to do. It doesn't mean that you're not supposed to keep working on your physical body to keep it in shape. It is a temple. But are you satisfied? Because if you're not, number 10's got a great big question mark over it. You know, this is kind of how coveting works. When you came in today, I hope you noticed that we made a strategic decision where we put our cross. Our prayer is that when you walk in here, that you always walk towards it, because that's what we want you to do, right? But coveting does this. When we come in and we begin to focus, we, we have this point in our lives where, where God calls us and we turn. As if we're going to go to the cross because we hear that voice calling us in salvation, an opportunity to be transformed. So we begin to, to, to go towards the cross, but the problem with coveting is this. We walk along and all of a sudden we just realize and we go, wow, that is a really nice shirt. I like that shirt. I think I'd look better in that shirt than you would. <laughs> I think that's a great shirt and I don't know why in the world you bought it for yourself and you could have actually bought it and then just given it to me. And That's a really, really cool shirt. Oh yeah, the cross thing. I'm supposed to be heading towards that cross and I'm heading along and everything's really good. And, and then I, 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 are those reef sandals? Those are really cool. Do they have bottle openers on the bottom? They do. <laughs> Sorry, old sermon materials coming back up again. Those are really, really nice reef sandals. I would, I would love a pair of those someday. Those, I think those would actually make my feet happy because my other ones, they don't, they're not as comfortable, but well, yeah, I'm supposed to be going towards the cross and all the rest of it. That is a nice ring. Look at that. What is that made out of? Titanium. Wow, that's really good. Mine's not made out of titanium. Yours looks way shinier than mine. That is a nice watch, Dale. That is a good watch. I have no idea where you got that one from, but I think, you know, I think God should have given me that watch because I've just got this Walmart thing, and it's just not as good as that particular thing, and that's really good. And I want you to notice something. While I'm coveting, do you notice what I'm not looking at? Do you notice what I've turned my back on? Because I'm just not satisfied. Have you noticed how easy it is for my eyes to be distracted when they should be looking that way? Because that's the only way that there's hope and grace and mercy. What coveting does is it takes our eyes off of the cross. And I want you to know something about the cross. If you don't get anything else today, you need to know this before we come to communion. It's this truth. Can I have it up on the screen? The truth is this. If the cross is enough, you never have to covet. If the cross is truly enough for you in salvation, nothing else matters because it all pales in comparison. And so when we get our eyes fixed on the cross, it's not like we get distracted. We just keep moving towards Jesus, and Jesus just keeps saying to us over and over again, I'm more than enough for you. One of my biggest concerns at Christ the King is sometimes we just sing songs. It's one of the reasons why I no band this week. Because Sam and I were thinking, what if, there was nothing to, what if there was nothing to distract us from the cross? We're going to sing a song we sing here fairly often. I often wonder, do 
we really know what we're saying. When we say, more than enough, he's more than enough. So let's take a moment and do a spiritual gut check, Christ the King. Is he really more than enough? More than enough. More than enough, Christ the King. More than enough. The whole point of the last 10 weeks is that that cross is more than enough. Do we understand it? Did we hear what Jesus was saying today? Even if you're over 10, it's more than enough. More than enough grace. More than enough mercy. More than enough covering to go around. And now you've got to choose. And go back to your stuff. Thank you for being more than enough. More than enough to cover my sin and my failure. More than enough to give me another opportunity to choose this day who I will serve. Jesus, would you step into this moment and call us out one at a time. And may we have the courage not to run, but instead to cross the line. pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.